From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 49 of Free and Inspired Radio. Wow, I realize I've been doing this over a year. It's crazy. And as we approach Christmas, I'm, I'm recording this two weeks out from Santa's return I hope you're keeping things together okay. I know it can be a bit hectic for some. This week on Friend Inspired Radio, we are looking at an evolving landscape regarding your diet, actually, and how it affects your health. And that's something called the Dietary Inflammatory Index, or DII. Now, in this episode, we're going to look into what the DII tells you about the connection between your diet and health and how to assess where your diet may land on the inflammatory index. First, though, a good question to start with is what exactly is the Dietary Inflammatory Index? Well, the DII is an index that helps link diet, inflammation and disease development. Now, it's in its second iteration, and the index brings together 45 different parameters to assess the inflammatory potential of your diet. So over the last 15 years, researchers have been collaborating or collating, excuse me, uh, studies highlighting different foods and their contributions to chronic long-standing inflammation. The aim is to try and create a quantitative measure of how diet causes or cures inflammation over time. Using food and dietary measures to reduce inflammation has been the cornerstone of natural medicine's success over the de- over the last two decades for sure, and especially in my clinic. Recently, this index has moved us closer to a level of clarity around what we might expect regarding diet and inflammation. Now, a good next question is why is inflammation significant when it comes to your overall health span? So just to differentiate between lifespan and health span. You may have heard of this differentiation made before. Lifespan is simple as it sounds, how long you live. Health span is how long can you live and maintain your independence and stay healthy. So you might find that for some of those, some people, it's pretty different. There's a big deficit between your lifespan and health span. So we're going to talk about health span here. Chances are you know someone affected by inflammation. Globally, three out of five people die due to chronic inflammatory diseases. I'm just going to repeat that. Globally, three out of five people die due to chronic inflammatory diseases like, for example, stroke, chronic respiratory illnesses, heart or cardiovascular disease, 
cancer, obesity, and diabetes. Yes, that list is all linked to inflammation. Now, this statistic isn't considering the mental and digestive health conditions now also connected to inflammation such as depression. My patients, myself included, have been beneficiaries of an anti-inflammatory diet up until the dawn of the DII. It's been hard to articulate how to structure these diets properly aside from the classic kind of paleo-leaning diets. Before we delve into this a little further, defining a few terms is essential so that we can understand just exactly how important this diet might become. The best way to understand inflammation is to see as uh, is is as if, excuse me, that there was a the beacon the brain uses to send the immune system somewhere in the body that needs attention. So for example, if you cut yourself, then the brain can use inflammation to send the immune system to where you cut yourself and that can then kind of start the healing process for you. It often occurs as a reaction or response to something, hence the cut. The inflammation is chronic when it lasts for over six months or to often years for some people. So an important note with chronic inflammation is that you might not get the localized pain, swelling and heat seen with an acute infection such as when you cut yourself. Now, it can take longer to develop, but be more subtle and take longer to resolve. And this is why chronic inflammation is quite important. It's quite important in natural medicine a lot more, I think. Um, But it is crossing over into the integrated medical uh, circles for sure. And now definitely in modern medicine, we are considering the effects of inflammation and chronic inflammation as a big, big deal. So in order to continue kind of defining terms here so we've just defined chronic inflammation there are different immune reactions you can experience from food that involve inflammation so let's let's go and differentiate those a little bit it's important to differentiate between these things so we can better understand the DII and the type of inflammation it's causing in the body or these foods are causing in the body the most severe and visible food intolerance is anaphylaxis so most people can understand this Maybe you know someone who's got a peanut or shellfish or bee sting allergy. Um, If they encounter what they're allergic to, it can be life-threatening if not dealt with quickly. And this reaction would be considered an allergy and mediated by an immune cell called IgE or immunoglobulin E. Now, another form of intolerance is non-IgE mediated. Now, within these groups of reactions, we see things like gluten and dairy sensitivity and autoimmune conditions such as celiac disease. These sensitivities can come from digestive and absorption-based issues and various other elements. The critical thing to understand when it comes to the dietary inflammatory index is that the inflammation caused by the foods in the index can sometimes overlap with these sensitivities or at least appear that way. To make it easier though, I want you to consider the foods in the dietary inflammatory index as being more pro-inflammatory in a subtle chronic way, the way we referred to it briefly before. The cool thing is that one of these elements is that one of the elements that make the dietary inflammatory index um, is that we can 
use markers in the blood to track levels of inflammation connected to food. These markers in general are called interleukins. Now, an easy way to think of the function of an interleukin is as an intermediary between the immune and inflammatory cells. Therefore, if there is a higher level of a particular type of these interleukins in the blood, then we know that there are higher levels of inflammation present. So think, you know, you've got an intermediary between the immune system and and the inflammation uh, or the inflammatory cells. So think of that beacon. There's a signaling process going on there, right? So we can read those signals in the blood. Initially, the first DII was conceived with only C-reactive protein in mind, another marker of inflammation in the blood. C-reactive protein is often present in high levels of inflammation too. Now, in the second iteration, the new DII has both interleukins and C-reactive protein included to assess how inflammatory or anti-inflammatory a diet is. Remember, there's 45 parameters now uh, that are building an identity don't doubt that there's going to be a third iteration and even a fourth potentially where those parameters get built upon and we get more and more variables within that and hey let's just let's just throw the 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 boat out here and suggest that ai is going to take over the algorithm at some stage and i dare say maybe that you'll be able to plug your diet into your phone and get some feedback from that algorithm at some stage. Maybe I've just announced a business idea and someone else out there, one of our listeners, can credit free and inspired radio when they're, uh, when they're billionaires with their new DII app. From here, we can use the DII to measure people's diets and specific disease frequency. And we're going to go into that straight after this short break on free and inspired radio we'll be back with more very shortly bye Woo! time to take a break are you enjoying this episode of free and inspired radio there's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty if you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes Simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, welcome back to Free and Inspired Radio. This is episode 49. Um, this week we're looking into the Dietary Inflammatory Index and how it's appropriate to your health. In part one of the show, we just looked at what the index is and how it was created, but also just went through a few terms like chronic inflammation, what an interleukin is, and how that's important to the DII. Now, let's look at some of the research up to now, starting with depression and the DII, which is super interesting. One study on older people particularly caught my attention on this one. Estimates suggest that one in five older people meet the criteria for the diagnosis of depression. Uh, That's kind of crazy. Uh, This prevalence isn't just for the Chinese population, but it's also a ubiquitous problem all around the world. So one in five people, 20% of uh, our elderly people, uh, population is uh, is prone to depression, which is kind of nuts. A study released this year suggested that diets that scored highly on the DII, representative of a more pro-inflammatory diet, were associated with higher levels of depression 
and also suicidal ideation. Another study released this year confirmed citing confirmed this citing that a diet higher on the DII is associated with an increased risk of depression in people with chronic illnesses such as hypertension, diabetes, or cardiovascular disease. Another study released in March this year, this year being 2022, if you're listening to this, next year in 2023, expanded the effects of a diet higher on the DII. And when I say higher on the dietary inflammatory index, I'm meaning that it's considered more pro-inflammatory. Findings showed that diets that were higher on the DII increased overall stress and anxiety in 260 university students. The research also points a link to a pro-inflammatory diet measured by the DII and inflammatory bowel disease or IBS as well. A case control study found that the DII score was significantly higher in people with IBS compared to their healthy counterparts. A second uh, Persian study found the same result when looking at over 3,000 people, showing that those with a diet scoring higher on the DII had an increased risk of developing IBS, especially in women. I think this might be more of a chicken and egg scenario with IBS and maybe even depression. Um, With IBS and the immune system closely related in the first place, it's possible that the pro-inflammatory diets may have exacerbated an existing problem. This ambiguity is why in the IBS and DII studies, we'll need to keep an eye out for better, more conclusive research. As in the depression studies, we're only dealing with maybe two to 300 people and this Persian study that I found had 3,000. But look, I think we need a lot more to really make some firm conclusions. But I guess what I'm hoping out of this episode is that maybe there is actually a way to assess the diet and the effect your diet has on your body. Now, another big question that people have asked me in the clinic is how do I know if my diet scores high on the DII? For a start, it may not be as complicated as you think. In fact, you may already know the answer to which foods are pro-inflammatory and which aren't. A Western diet is pro-inflammatory, mainly due to the sugar, red meat, dairy products, and refined carbohydrates and fried foods. So I doubt no one's surprised or anyone listening is surprised there. And alcohol and tobacco are also significant contributors to a diet that's going to push it up the index, if you like. In contrast, a diet that scores lower on the DII would be similar to the classic Mediterranean diet, rich in vegetables, olive oil, and nuts and seeds with a lower amount of red meat, beef, and lamb, uh, replaced with poultry and fish. The Mediterranean diet structure has good evidence of reducing the DII score in patients with coronary heart disease. Whilst this study is positive, it only had 56 participants, and one of the interesting notes was that whilst the DII was reduced, the participants didn't see significant improvements in their inflammatory markers as a translation. This part of the study is interesting because reducing DII may just be one part of the picture. For example, was the Mediterranean diet structure enough to bring down the inflammatory markers, or was the presence of poultry and other saturated fats still sufficient to keep them? markers elevated. These questions show why having an index where differing diet structures can be compared over time and used in the context of what they're trying to treat can be so beneficial. I call this a diet as a prescription in its purest form and its utility is one of the reasons why diet is so effective in a natural medicine treatment. It has to be, though it has to be applied correctly, 
although it's always associated with reduced all-cause and cause-specific mortality, but the Mediterranean may not diet may not be enough as a therapeutic intervention to change the game once the disease has developed, even though it's associated with reduced all-cause and cause-specific mortality in health. So, it's I think this is a really early thing, but what I do think also is that once again, we're looking at how much of a Mediterranean diet, for example, do you need to have in order to get you know, particular markers down and therefore improve different death risk, basically. Something else to consider about a pro-inflammatory diet and your health um, is that basically uh, when you take the time to see all of the independent studies that score highly in the DII and their association with different illnesses from chronic kidney disease to obesity, it's easy to think that having a pro-inflammatory diet is just not good all around. Just like exercise seems to be suitable for everything, hint, it is, the DII research has shown us that being mindful of our diets and their potential to cause inflammation is a move that won't just help specific illnesses, it may also help your health span in the long term. So we've looked at chronic disease risk here, we've looked at C-reactive protein, we've looked at different markers in the blood. There are so many different associative studies now with the DII and their you know, different disease outcomes that we really does seem that we're going to potentially see uh, new studies now that uh, basically move towards correcting the DII and seeing whether or not that gives us a therapeutic outcome in all of these diseases. As I said, the one I saw on coronary heart disease didn't get there. So let's find out. This is what we're all about on Freedom Inspired Radio is kind of exploring some of these cutting edge things around diet, but also we've seen that maybe there's, if you're looking at your gut and your brain, then IBS and depression, for example, uh, you know, this might be something to consider. Before we finish this episode of Free and Inspired Radio, if you'd love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles and podcast episodes, jump over to our website here on philipwatkins.health and join the community via the newsletter. Uh, if you sign up currently, we are giving you a free ebook, Psychobiotics, so how probiotics can affect your mental health. A lot of fun putting that together. So you can get that for free by signing up on the website there. Your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help me get the word on the street. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, throw the video a like and subscribe, especially if you've got this far to see when each new podcast is uploaded. If you want to send, uh, I want to send shouts as always to people who get this far on the show. Uh, It's always nice to have people listening to the full show. It's quite amazing, actually. Um, This show is about helping you to find the freedom to feel inspired again. And I hope once again this episode gets you one step closer. Until next week, don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And we'll be back with more Free and Inspired Radio in our lead up to Christmas next week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more soon. Bye. You made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, 
please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.